0: 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 7. You, then, my son, be strong in the grace that is Jesus Christ, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying. The Lord will give you insight into all of this. Brilliant. Thank you, Winston. Uh, Morning, everyone. Oh, lovely. Um, I'm Josh uh, on the staff team here, and carrying on our series into Timothy, looking at not ashamed. Okay, and we're looking at the passage we just had read for us. But maybe before I do that, let me just say a, re- a short prayer uh, before we do that. Father, thank you that you're here. Holy Spirit, thank you that you want to speak to us this morning. Thank you that your word is alive and active, and I pray that we will know that today. Amen. I, uh, I don't know about you, I was at the um, annual meeting on Wednesday and I was encouraged by all the varying different testimonies that we had, some of the things that we were celebrating as a church as we look back at last year and as we look forward to next year. And uh, amongst those things, one thing I found really encouraging was, um, was a young man called Ben who was interviewed near the end of the annual meeting and talking about how in his 20s at university, two of his friends had really been witnessing to him about Jesus. Both of those friends come here to HTC as well. And more recently, Ben decided to come to church and joined him with Alpha, amongst other things, and was able to, to come into a personal relationship with Jesus as his friends had witnessed to him he was then changed by Jesus himself. Uh, and what was even more amazing than that was as he shared about how that has led him to have such a desire to, to talk about Jesus, to share what he now knows with his family, especially talking about his dad and his brother, and just an amazing and in such an encouraging testimony, a witness about Jesus to his family, passing on the baton of faith. And it is an example of disciples making disciples and this is what Paul in this letter coming to the end of his life he's writing everyone's deserted him and he's speaking about in today's passage he's saying pass it on he's saying pass it on and and today I've got two simple points and then a little bit of response for us and the first point is pass on the gospel Pass on the gospel. And you can see this passing on of the gospel happening already in, in this book, in the chapter just before as well. We've, we've seen in 2 Timothy 1 verse 12, that was in last week's passage, that God, and there's a key word here that goes through the start of this book, which is entrusts. God entrusts the gospel to Paul and he's faithfully lived out that call. And that's where he's writing this to Timothy From, and then two verses later, 2 Timothy 1.14, Paul then entrusts Timothy with this calling. Timothy, a young leader in a flagship church in Ephesus, his dear son and mission partner of 15 years. And there's growing opposition, there's false teaching, and Paul is calling Timothy to be strong, to be faithful, to keep going, and to pass on The gospel. And then we get to today's passage and we see the word entrust again in verse 2. And the things you have heard me say, me, that's Paul, in the presence of many witnesses talking to Timothy, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Timothy is called to pass the baton on again, to pass on the gospel. Whatever the cost or opposition, to not let it be static. And it's a, it's a call that we here as a church today live in the ramifications of. The gospel has been passed on and on and on and now we get an opportunity to live for it, to live in it, to understand it and to share it with others. And of course, there is a focus in this book and in this passage on Timothy being a leader, a reliable and able to teach this gospel that we are all called to pass on. There is a need for character and competency and we should call that out of our leaders here at HTC and if you are in leadership in one way or another here then you should be calling it out of yourselves in the context of it being such a privilege to lead but the main thing here is like Ben at the annual meeting like he shared is that we are people who are so changed by Jesus that we want to pass on the gospel as well so will you that's the question I want you to ask yourselves this morning will I? Will I pass on the gospel? Will I communicate to others with my life and my actions the way I live? And with my words, the things that I say, the things from my lips? Or will you just keep it to yourself? So a short point to start, point one, pass on the gospel. And point two, this one will take a little bit longer, don't worry, I'm not gonna come down in three minutes time. And that is accept, maybe some of you would like that. Anyway, so, Accept the cost. Point two is accept And we have three pictures in this passage that I'm going to go through that I think highlight different things of the cost that it is to be people, to be individuals, to be a church that passes on the gospel. And these three images are of a soldier, an athlete and a farmer. I don't know about you, but these images evoked memories for me. They evoke stories, they evoke things of training, they evoke things as you read in the news. They're quite evocative images that so many of us will have things we think about scripture and things that we think about our own lives. And we're just going to play a little game at the start, a bit of interaction here. These three items represent three things to me. Two of them are true, one of them is a lie. Okay, so this beret, this represents my cadet days. Cadet of the year, thank you very much. Marksman with a cadet rifle, number one, this beret. Number two, these spikes. I wore these spikes at Midlands Championship. Alexandra Stadium got a personal best in the 200. These spikes mean something to me as well. And this trowel, this trowel is something that if you ask my parents, this is the one that they'd say because every single dinner time I would take the seeds out of whatever we were eating and go out and plant them in the garden, hoping that I would make a tree of some sort. Most of the time, it didn't work. So by show of hands, which ones of these do you think are something that is a story about me and which one is not? Hands up if you think that this was the lie. Never been a cadet in my life, etc., etc. et cetera. Great, that's like four of you. Great looking at me who thinks that this is probably pretty impossible and I've stolen these spikes or somebody else you're all horrible people (laughs) and who thinks that this trowel here might be the lie okay this is true of my son and not of me this is what my six-year-old Ezra does most times we eat dinner he'll be like this is a seed I'm going to plant it now but the other two shame on all of you with the spikes uh, are true of me but I wonder if I wonder if stories, and there is so much sort of helpful tangent, I think, as we look at these pictures of a soldier and an athlete and a farmer that make us think about what it is to be in the army of Jesus, of what it, what it is to, to run with everything. We think about running the life, running this life, live for Jesus. As we think about farmers and every life bearing fruit for Jesus and wanting to see fruit here at HTC, they will conjure up things. But what I want to look at with these three pictures today is actually how in this passage... It's actually a lot about cost and it's a lot that is quite challenging and it's a lot of what it looks like to accept the gospel in suffering and the challenges that come with that. So so let's start with our soldier, shall we? This lovely berry. Let's start with our soldier. Verse uh, three and four are gonna come up on the screen. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, the passage carries on. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding Officer, soldiers willing to lay down their life for a cause, single-minded so often, not distracted. In this context, to look to please Jesus, to follow his way, whether we like it or not. It's easy when we agree, isn't it? But it's harder when we don't. And as a follower of Jesus, we need to have the same zeal in obeying our commanding officer as you'll see soldiers in obeying their commanding officer in war. And as a follower of Jesus, we're called to live for fear of God and not fear of others. In this bit where it talks about being entangled in civilian affairs, we're not called to retreat and never have anything to do with the world, but it's important that we are engaged without being entangled. That we are engaged with the world that we are part of as a follower of Jesus without being entangled with its priorities. Maybe a good question to ask as you think about this, is who's your commanding officer? Who is the person that you follow? Is Jesus your commanding officer? And does the practice of your life show that in reality or not? The soldier comes into every situation, the Christian soldier wanting to please Jesus, asking that question, how as I enter this situation, as I think about this, as I enter this moment, can I please my commanding officer, Jesus? And for some of us, we'll think about different commanding officers that we have in our lives. Maybe it's quite easy to say, Jesus is my commanding officer at church. But actually, my boss is my commanding officer at work. And in my friendship groups, my social groups, actually, there's, there's friends. They, they seem to actually dictate how I live and what I do. Could be subtle things, could be really big things. But I, I, and I wonder, are we single-minded? And, and as we look at the soldier, and we look at this idea of carrying the gospel of sharing the gospel of spreading the gospel are we actually what are we saying are we saying i'm going to pass on the gospel but the cost for the soldier what is that well i think what it is is are we fearful of others are we being more cowardly rather than courageous do we care more about what everyone else says or are we fearing god and fearing what it is that god asks us to do the commanding officer that is jesus a soldier has to accept the cost a soldier has to accept the the cost. And then we get to our athlete. We get to our athlete, this runner, this image of an athlete. And it carries on the passage. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. This is another challenge. It's because it's a call to obedience without shortcuts. Not our way, but the way of Jesus. I read a story um, on BBC Sport the other day about a lady competing in a triathlon and uh, she got injured and a friend of hers picked her up in the car uh, and they must have been chatting in the car and her friend may be saying, well, why don't you just finish? So she's been in the car about a mile, she gets out uh, and, and let's think the best, but essentially what happens is she finishes the race, she gets an amazing time and she gets the prize that goes with that. But then for whatever reason, forgets to mention the mile in the car. And then when that gets found out, of course what happens is she's stripped of the prize. And, and, and isn't able to, to, to have the prize that the race would have earned. And it might have been objectively faster, but because there was cheating involved, there wasn't a prize. Objectively, she was there quicker, but there wasn't a prize. She didn't win. And for a while, maybe she didn't think she'd get found out. I don't know. But we're, in this context, we're called to be obedient to Jesus about what the race looks like as he sets it out not as sometimes we might want to take shortcuts. I think we do this with God sometimes. We sort of ignore the little bits of the passage that are a little bit more challenging or, or that topic that we know is going to pinch when people know that we're a follower of Jesus and we know that we're a Christian. In the Jefferson Bible, Je- Jefferson did this. He cut a whole bunch of bits out. He took a bit about the Holy Spirit, about the miraculous, had some words that Jesus said. He cut it all up, put it back together and made the Jefferson Bible. And essentially what he's done there is he said, I'll live according to the rules that I like, not according to the rules. And we can't do this if we're going to be people that accept the cost. We can pass on a gospel, but it won't be the gospel. We need to learn to accept the cost, how God passed it to Paul. Paul to Timothy, Timothy to the next person and the next person. We live in light of that today. And sometimes maybe we deliberately ignore things. I'm sure that that is true. We just don't accept the gospel as it calls us to be. But more commonly, I think we're just a bit more quiet when it's awkward. We're just a little bit less quick to speak, a little bit less quick to act, a little bit quicker to avoid. Faithful in our obedience and here on a Sunday, but actually maybe not so much in our minds or or with our lips as it comes to the rest of the week. To, To follow Jesus, it's to take up our cross. It means going a road that is through suffering. They're the rules. There's not shortcuts when it comes to living fully for Jesus, to ignore the ways we're called to live and act. As we accept the cost, the athlete and the runner, in this passage, it reminds us not to cheat and not to change the gospel, not to cheat and not to change the gospel message. The cost of passing on the gospel is exactly that, is that we don't get to. We don't get to change it, even if that would be easier, even when that would be easier, not if we want the prize. And life isn't always easy, is it? When I did train for sprinting as a younger man, after nearly every winter session, I would say something like, gosh, that one nearly killed me. But actually, when it came to summer and the chance to compete and the chance to win prizes, I would never have got there without that hard work. And actually, I want to encourage you that as we keep going through the passage, that's what we're getting to now. As we move to the picture of the farmer, there's a picture of hard work. There is a cost of having to be deliberate about the Christian faith. My son's trowel, which I called a spade in the first service, and that's why everyone found me out. But anyway, <laughs> I know, you guys did much worse than the 930. <laughs> the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Back in 1994, some of you weren't born, I was a toddler. Lots of you were a bit older than that. Jager was a strapping young 18-year-old heading off to uni. (laughs) Most people were not quite sure uh, exactly what the internet was or what it was supposed to do for us. So when 29-year-old Chris Clark picked up the domain name pizza.com for $20, it probably seemed like a little bit of a gamble rather than a smart investment. But in 2008... That domain name was bought for an astonishing $2.6 million. The most ever paid for a single domain name. And I would say that that's not a good example or a good story or a good picture of how you achieve something. Normally, it takes a lot more hard work than buying a domain name, pizza.com. And as we look at this farmer, there's a commitment, a deliberateness. And frankly, there is just hard work. Those good things, and for many of us, we'll think, what are the good things that we want in our lives? What are the things that we are willing to strive for, to work hard for? Maybe, maybe looking to buy, maybe something to do with our family, maybe work progression, and all the different things that come into what this short life is, that we are willing to give up so much for and work so, so hard for. And as we think about the gospel, where does that fit in? If this is really the most important thing that we can do, live for, understand and pass on, if it's really more important than anything else, how much of our like, emotional energy and time and time investment is put into those things rather than into what it looks like to live for Jesus? And, and I actually think for a lot of us, the hard-working farmer is more likely to be an encouragement than a challenge. There's so many people here faithfully serving their families faithfully living for Jesus at work, deliberate about serving here at HTC, both on a Sunday and in the week. There's so many opportunities we have to engage with passing on the gospel in our lives and and keep going. Be encouraged that the hard work, it says here that there's going to be a share of the crops. There is a prize that comes later, but there is one. This is a call to not to indifference or laziness, but to using your gifts, the gifts that God has given you to to serve this call of passing on the gospel, accepting the cost. And this is the cost. The cost is that you don't always get to choose how that looks, but you do have to give your all. And here for the farmer, it's not being indifferent to the gospel. It's not being lazy about it. That they're not mentioned for their glamour, but for their hard work. And so as we look at these three people, the soldier, The athlete and the farmer. If the call is to pass on the gospel and to accept the cost, then how do we do that, especially when it's tough? How do we endure? How do we not fall into some of the traps that maybe you've thought of as I spoke or the ones that we've actually looked at? How do we not be fearful of others? How do we deliberately or accidentally not cheat when it comes to fully living out what the gospel is asking us to do? And how do we avoid being lazy or indifferent? For me, um, this has all been about people and practices, having the right people in my life and having the right practices in my life and, and allowing Holy Spirit, at the start and end of our passage, i inviting Holy Spirit here on Pentecost Sunday to, to help in all of this. And so do take that as a backdrop. Also that it's not, by no means has this been perfect in my life, but these are moments that I've found it being better is when I'm doing these things well. So let's just get practical for a second. Can we all see this? It will come up on the screen if not. These are my building blocks of what I think the people around our lives could or should look like when it comes to our personal discipleship. When it comes to us being deliberate about saying, not only am I gonna be a disciple that makes disciples, but I'm gonna learn what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. So if we take ourselves as this yellow block here, then I wanna encourage you that as you Paul says, join with me, don't do this alone. I want to encourage you that you should be investing in people who are less far on in their faith than you are. For some of us, that's our family. For some of us, that's being engaged in a sports group or something that is outside of the church where people do not know Jesus. For others, we're just walking alongside people who are less far on the faith than we are. And as you look at these two blocks on the side, can I encourage you, you need to have people that you walk alongside in this journey of life so that when you're in suffering, they're there with you, cheering you on. And when you break the rules, they're there telling you, hey, come on, we can do so much better than that. For me, that's my accountability partner and my prayer partner. And then you have people who are walking further ahead of you. Some people call them mentors. Some people call them spiritual directors. Some people just call them chats with people who get it a little bit better than I do and being deliberate about that. And especially these four people, can I encourage you that this one, it has to be God. The one at the top has to be God. They have to be governed by this same faith, this same call to pass on the gospel whatever the cost, accepting the cost is very, very difficult if you're isolated. Accepting the cost by the power of the Holy Spirit walking alongside the church family, then it becomes a little bit more possible. We heard in our story earlier about Ben, it was clear that he had some of these building blocks in place, people who he's investing in and we're investing in him and walking alongside him. It's so important in our faith. Famous theologian, Bakayo Saka, I'm only joking, he's a footballer, Arsenal an England striker, is here on the screen. Uh, he, he was highlighted in a major tournament for reading his Bible every morning. He was highlighted for reading his Bible every morning, and I thought, that's pretty cool. And then, so I looked into it a little bit more, and I found some quotes that he said about his relationship with God. He talked about God having a plan for his life. He talked about how his family and his parents have invested in their faith in God and passed it on to him a picture of some of the people that you might find. And he has some tricky moments. Actually, there was a whole lot of racist abuse that he got for missing a penalty, which is just awful and just rubbish and no excuse. But at the same time, I wonder whether him getting through that, seemingly in the way that he did, which seemed really well, I wonder whether the people around his life and his faith in God was a massive help in that. And as we look at people, it's worth just noting for a second the practices. And I tried to move these around before and they all fell apart, so I've made a smaller version. (laughs) Okay. practice is important. And uh, what I say is, let's move this orange one to be you and your relationship with God. The practices around our lives, they're really, really important. The things that we do. So if you imagine that these four here, they're not movable. Worship, word, prayer, being in community, having a connect group, being here in church on a Sunday. These things are important. They're practices that are in our life to help our relationship with God. And then there'll be other ones that are important to some of us and not others. For some people, they love walking around in nature and finding God in that. That could be one of these building blocks. For others, the Glorify app, every morning it helps so much. For others, it's, it's whatever it might be, Sabbath, solitude. For, for others, there'll be so many more. We don't just have however many blocks are here. There's, there's things that come in and out of our lives in different seasons. Can I encourage you, the practices that build your faith between you and God, they will continually change. The key thing is, do you have some? There'll be blocks that don't move so much. I'd encourage you to never lose the word of God when it comes to your practice with you and God and your relationship with God. But there's so many other things, ways of engaging with God alongside others and on your own. And those things will change at different times in life. Some will get closer to the centre and become more important at different parts in our lives as well. But can I encourage us that if we're going to really do this, pass on the gospel and accept the cost, especially when we're tired. It's been a rubbish week. And accepting the cost just doesn't even seem like something we could consider. The people and practices in our life, they make such a difference in being able to do this really, really really well. Mother Teresa says this, our progress in holiness depends on God and ourselves, on God's grace and on our will to be holy. And so as we kind of come closer into land and we try to conclude and respond together as a church and as individuals, I think there's two main reasons, the passage starts with the words be strong, and I think there's two main reasons we can be strong in passing on the gospel and accepting the cost. Two reasons I'd like to give us as a foundation to respond to what we've heard so far. Our passage at the end, verse 7, tells us to reflect, to think, to invite Holy Spirit in. Can I encourage you to be doing that even right now as we begin to respond together, to say, Holy Spirit, how are you wanting to speak to me? How are you wanting me to respond to this? I think we can be strong for two reasons. Number one, because the gospel is wonderful. The gospel is wonderful. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. All from a place of knowing God's grace. None of what we've asked to do, there's a, there's a danger that a sermon like this is asking you to do a whole bunch of stuff. But it's really important that we recognise where we do that stuff from and how we're able to do it. And it's because of God's grace to us. That's the foundation, because we won't do all of this perfectly. So there has to be grace in there somewhere. This appeal to pass on the gospel, to share it, it's one for all of us to respond to. Actually, you know, none of us will be able to respond to it at all if it wasn't for the grace of Jesus if it wasn't for us being able to respond to what he has done for each and every one of us to take us from death to a life with him, both now and forever. And in the challenge of today, hear those words, in the grace, not in your own strength. Paul has lived this out in his life. He's been strong in the grace and not in himself. He's asking Timothy to multiply, to entrust, to pass on, to not be static. He thinks it's too important to not carry on, but he's also founded in the right place, which is that this is all because of grace, and it's a message of grace, not a message of do this, do that. Grace has to be the centre. What a relief. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. What a relief that is to all of us today. God's grace made available to all of us in Jesus. We can't earn our salvation, but my goodness... Can we choose to be deliberate about letting it change tomorrow? About letting it change the way we live? Maybe even about making a bit of an effort. Grace is the place that we live the Christian life from. It's not an excuse or a safety net, a way to ignore the things that we do that we shouldn't. Being lazy or indifferent. I can come back to God, there's grace. I tell you, that's, that's cheap grace. And there's nothing cheap about the grace that releases us to live Jesus. We can be strong because the gospel is, is wonderful. And we can be strong as well because the future is wonderful. And I've got a rope to illustrate the future being wonderful. If you imagine that this first part of the rope here is James is going to help me if it gets tangled. We agreed that earlier. Stage management. Imagine that this whole rope is an eternity. It keeps going on, it's longer and longer, it can go all the way, it goes all the way to about down there. But imagine that this rope is, is our life. And this bit just here, from here to the green bit is, is birth to death. And this bit here is what happens afterwards. This is eternity, this is what, what is our existence forever, with or without God. This bit here on earth is the bit we're talking about now. The bit where we have to accept and count the cost. The bit where, and as you look at it, you think, okay, so there's this bit here. This is, this is retirement. This is when I managed to buy a house. This is different things you think about in our lives. And we spend so much time and effort being deliberate and thinking about those things. So much of our lives invested with only this part in mind. And I just wonder whether if we invested a bit of our time in thinking about this eternity with God, there is available. If you think about the, the the soldier, you think about the soldier and being deliberate about being obedient here on earth, about having one commanding officer, but then you think about the athlete and all those medals, they come along this path. There's not it's not here, but it is here in abundance. And if you think about the farmer, the harvest that we're promised, this is the harvest here. It's stark, isn't it, to see how much longer eternity is than these moments that we have here on earth. Paul decided that he was worth enduring absolutely anything in this bit because this prize was so glorious. And it dictated the way that he lived and the way that he thought. And it doesn't doesn't mean we shouldn't be wise and we shouldn't be deliberate about involving Jesus in the day-to-day things of our life because he cares about those as well. But I do wonder whether we shifted our gaze occasionally or even often and had a perspective that looked to eternity, whether the decisions that we made here when it comes to accepting the cost that it is to be a follower of Jesus, or passing on the gospel, maybe we'd be more urgent, maybe we'd be more deliberate, if we think about it a little bit more like this. Just mathematically, it doesn't seem really worth risking to me, but I don't know about you.